Hi, welcome to my creativity. The podcast about being creative and producing output. I'm your host, Surrey. I reveal how I work, my projects, my process, uh, you know, my creativity. From the planning and goal setting to how I stay accountable for my output, to the way ideas pop into my head and the frameworks I use to stimulate my creativity and to formalize it. So each week I go through the goals I had for last week and at the end of the show I'll go through the goals I'm going to have for the coming week. So let's review last week's goals. First up, last week's goal, record song for dancing. Well, yeah, just before I jumped on here, I was strumming away nicely. I've got a reference from the singer. She's sort of sung a bit so I can get an idea of her style. Uh, and I've just practiced playing along with her and I've had to uh, change some of the timing, chop up her file and sort of pull it out because you know, she was just singing off the cuff, not to a, um, a metronome or anything. So I haven't completed recording the song, but I have recorded the um, reference for... Uh, the the verse and the pre-chorus. So that's pretty cool. Finish chapter 8. I finished chapter 8 of book 2 of Exit Plan. Uh, it will need to be reworked, but all the chapters need to be reworked. Run 5 kilometers. Oh, the family and I, we all went out to the this new pump track. If you haven't heard of what a pump track is and I hadn't until recently, is if you'd imagine a sort of like a, a, a little BMX track, yeah, so it's got lumps and berms and, uh, and so forth, you might call them jumps, but they're quite low. And what it means is that on our skateboards, we can actually get a bit of speed up and sort of pump with your legs as you're going over these hills, and you can maintain your speed around this track. Uh, going up and down these hills and around the corners and stuff. It's quite fun. So I did my 5K there. Record Space Brains. Yeah, on Wednesday, Mark came around and we had a great old chat. It went for about two hours, actually, so uh, I'll see how much I can edit out of that. Uh, about the movie, it's called The Darkest Dawn. It's by producer Drew Casson. He's a British fellow. He's quite a youngster he's in his 20s it's his second feature film uh his first one being hungerford which is is kind of the first in this series darkest dawn is the second but you could sort of say darkest dawn is kind of standalone anyway uh we recorded that and that was good edit and release the spectral space brains so previously we had watched the movie spectral and it's we recorded it and I edited it and that was released. So Space Brains, released on Saturday, beautiful. I'm going to review my goals for May. May is coming to an end, so we'll see. One of my goals for May was to review my monthly goals, which I'm doing now. Complete my shop and run 5K each Sunday. So complete my shop is what I'm going to have to do this coming week. And at my end of, my, end of this episode, when I go through my goals, I'm going to define what complete my shop means because I can't just say complete the shop because as we all know these sorts of things don't ever really get fully completed completed they're, they're a work in progress they're a living document if you will 
So, uh, this week I was watching uh, my feed in Facebook and a fellow came on, uh, one of these motivational types or, I don't know, self-styled life coach or whoever he is. I didn't really go into too much about him. I'd seen him about before. But he was saying that to be uh, particularly productive, to really get the most out of life, you need to get up early. And then he went on to say that uh, all these particularly you know, I don't know, famous and rich people get up at 4 o'clock in the morning or quarter to 5 or 3.30 or some ridiculous times that don't even classify as the morning as far as I'm concerned. And I've seen this claim before. I'm not going to name any names again, but I've certainly seen some very high-profile speakers say that if you're not getting up at 4.30 in the morning, then you're not committed, that you're not really trying, because you need to get that extra time in there so you'll get up early. It's true in a way, but also total bullcrap. It's a false economy, because in order to get up early in the morning, you're going to have to go to bed early. So you shift one hour from the evening to an hour in the morning. I don't know how that's being more committed. Of course, there is a, a certain point to it in that if you are used to getting up at, let's say, 7 o'clock in the morning, and you want to increase your productivity, you want to change your habits of low productivity or low creativity, and you need to break free of some sort of uh, rut that you've got yourself into, then changing your wake-up time to 6 o'clock an hour earlier, and subsequently your bedtime an hour earlier, that might well be the sort of notional commitment or that demonstration of your desire which could break you from your old habits. So yes, you could get better than that. But I thought it'd be even interesting, more interesting to go into some of the research behind sleep because I can tell you now, getting just simply getting up earlier to try and do more work, and I've heard people suggest this off the cuff to me at various times. They sort of say, uh, if you want to get more your writing done, just get up an hour early and do an hour of writing. Research doesn't pan out for that. And you can well imagine that places like the military have done significant research into sleep. Businesses and so forth. Uh, any Anyone interested in trying to get maximum productivity would be trying to figure out what balance of sleep versus wakefulness maximizes your effectiveness for the most number of hours in a sustainable way. I've previously looked into this, and this is why I do wake up. I wake up at six thirty because six thirty lets me get everything done in the morning. I need to get done to get to work. We are creatures. We're, we're daytime creatures, so our bodies want to be awake during the day and asleep at night. And again, there's heaps of research that shows that shift workers who reverse that process have poor health, and certainly long term. Long-term shift working is really bad for your health, and I would suggest that you try to avoid doing that as much as humanly possible. Short periods of it is fine, but uh, you know, long periods of it has been shown to be quite bad. Uh, and anyway, so being daytime creatures, we're keenly aware of, and I'm talking from an evolutionary point of view, keenly aware of predators and also prey. So there are in our past creatures that would hunt us and kill us and eat us and we as uh, hunters as well would hunt animals to eat so dusk and dawn tend to be the prime times for doing that hunting 
it's cool there's lots of shadows around uh, it's it's when all of the nocturnal animals are just going to bed and all the daytime animals are just waking up but as a result it's around you know with sunlight rising uh, and the sort of around dawn uh, a couple of hours around then is when our brains our nervous systems are at their highest alertness and likewise around dusk and maybe the first couple of hours after dusk when you can imagine the nocturnal hunting animals start coming out that's when we're at our peak alertness so from that point of view timing your sleep and wake and fullness around that is quite good but let's get ourselves into some science because there's no point in me just telling you my thoughts on it so uh, Loyola University Chicago the Stritched School of Medicine researcher Lydia Don Carlos, PhD, so that would be Dr. Lydia to you and me, is a member of an expert panel that's making new recommendations on how much sleep needs, uh, how much sleep people need. So the panel, convened by the National Sleep Foundation, uh, has made some recommendations based on age. Dr. Don Carlos and other experts on the multidisciplinary panel examined findings from 320 studies reporting sleep duration findings for healthy individuals, the effects of reduced or prolonged sleep duration, and health consequences of too much or too little sleep. So the, they published the results in Sleep Health, Journal of the National Sleep Foundation. The upshot of that is if you're an adult aged 26 to 64, you need eight hours. That's, you know, we kind of knew that already, but this is, is, you know, it's a fairly extensive bit of work by people who are really interested in sleep. And they say uh, seven to nine hours, which means eight, you know, right in the smack bang in the middle, eight hours of sleep. Okay, so then in June 2017, the world's largest sleep study was launched. More than 40,000 people from around the world participated in the online scientific investigation. It included an in-depth questionnaire and a series of cognitive performance activities. Approximately half of all participants reported typically sleeping less than 6.3 hours per night. About an hour less than the study's recommended amount. One startling revelation was that most participants who slept four hours or less performed as if they were almost nine years old. Hmm. So if you are nine years old and you only sleep sort of four hours a night, I suggest you're probably going to be performing like a newborn. Yeah. So anyway... Another surprising discovery was that sleep affected all adults equally. The amount of sleep associated with highly functional cognitive behavior, i.e. your creativity, your motivation, your effectiveness at business and at athletics, was the same for everyone. Seven to eight hours, regardless of age. Also, the impairment associated with too little or too much sleep did not depend on the age of the participants. So whether you're 28 or you're 15, if you got too little sleep, you were acting very poorly. Likewise, if you got enough sleep, it didn't matter what age you were, you would perform well. And as it says, about seven, eight hours. So, and that's what the other study said, about eight hours. So Connor Wild, Owen Lab Research Associate and the study's lead author, says, we found that the optimum amount of sleep to keep your brain performing its best is seven to eight hours every night. And that corresponds to what doctors will tell you need to what doctors will tell you you need to keep your body in tip-top shape as well. We also found that people that slept more than that amount were equally impaired as those who slept too little. 
So it is actually quite good, I think then, from this it says, to set an alarm uh, or some other mechanism to make sure you don't oversleep. So there's a few interesting points that came out of this when we're talking specifically about the types of impairment that lack of sleep had. So the participants' reasoning and verbal abilities were two of the actions most strongly affected by sleep, while short-term memory performance was relatively unaffected. This is different than findings in most scientific studies of complete sleep deprivation and suggests that not getting enough sleep for an extended period affects your brain differently than staying up all night. I say on the positive side, there was some evidence that even a single night's sleep can affect a person's ability to think. Participants who slept more than usual the night before participating in the study performed better than those who slept the usual amount or less. So I wake up at 6.30, but I go to bed at 10 to be asleep by 10.30. That gives me eight hours. There's also, I, mean, I could go into this, there's all sorts of um, sleep hygiene practices to make sure you, you get the best sleep. So for example, not drinking caffeine, uh, not staring into hard blue lights, uh, as in like from your mobile phone. So the, the worst thing you can do really is just before you lie down to bed, you just check your last couple messages on your phone. Okay, so that means you're just shooting a whole bunch of blue light into your eyeballs and your brain reacts to that by saying, oh, well, we better be awake because blue light uh, is the sort of light that we get from the sun. Yeah, obviously we get a lot of other light from the sun too, but you know, hey. Okay, so I've got this fantastic other bit of research here, which was a sleep deprivation study uh, published in the journal Sleep. So they took 48 adults and restricted their sleep to a maximum of four, six, or eight hours a night for two weeks. One unlucky subset was deprived of sleep for three days straight. Yeah, that would be pretty sucky. So what we can see, what we're going to see out of this then is if you only get uh, six hours a night, for example, and I have experience of this where maybe for a week I'm up late, I'm really trying to hammer out the last bit of something or other, and so I'm getting maybe six hours sleep, I'm getting to bed like midnight and waking up at 6.30. The question is, is that going to be useful? Am I actually being more productive or not? And certainly four hours of sleep, there's plenty of people who claim that, that you know, they only get four hours of sleep. There are people who claim they only need four hours of sleep, and uh, from what I've been reading here, like they're, they're looking at 40,000 people, very big s sections of people. I would suggest that if you truly only needed six hours of sleep a night, then you would have to accept that you are some kind of super rare anomaly. So it might be best to assume that you aren't that one in a million who somehow manages to magically get by with six hours of sleep. Anyway, let's... Let's have a look at some of these research results here of these people. So subjects who got six hours of sleep a night for two weeks straight functioned as poorly as those who were forced to stay awake for two days straight. So it doesn't go into what happened on the third day that I stayed awake, but after 48 hours of wakefulness, you could well imagine how, how very poorly you're going to be able to be creative, how very poorly you're going to be able to run a business, how poorly you're going to be able to concentrate on anything at all or do any exercise of any real value, for example. So if you're only doing six hours of sleep a night, after two weeks, you're basically as messed up as someone who hasn't been asleep for two days. So during the time in the lab, the participants were tested every two hours, unless they were asleep, 
on their cognitive performance as well as their reaction time. They also answered questions about their mood and any symptoms they were experiencing. As you can imagine, the subjects who were allowed to sleep 8 hours per night had the highest performance on average. Subjects who got only 4 hours a night did worse each day. The group who got 6 hours of sleep seemed to be holding their own until around day 10 of the study. In the last few days of the experiment, the subjects who were restricted to this maximum of 6 hours of sleep per night showed cognitive performance that was as bad as the people who weren't allowed to sleep at all. So getting only 6 hours of shut-eye was as bad as not sleeping for 2 days straight. The group who got only 4 hours of sleep each night performed just as poorly, but they hit their low sooner. So I think yeah, one of the most interesting results of this study is that the 6-hour sleep group didn't actually rate their sleepiness as being all that bad, even though their brains were performing worse and worse every day. The no-sleep group progressively rated their sleepiness higher and higher, and by the end of the experiment, their sleepiness had jumped to just put me to sleep now, out of a rating from zero to just put me to sleep now. So there we go. That's, that's my question there about six hours of sleep. It seems that you can get away with it for like a few nights, but every day you're going to get slightly worse performance, and by 10, you are acting like someone who just hasn't slept at all. So I would suggest that if you did have to cram something in, and every now and then it happens. You know, sometimes there's a, a last-minute something that has to be done. So maybe you can, for a few days, get a couple extra hours of work in, but you simply cannot keep that up more than... Well, I said 10 days there is when they just absolutely totally crashed. But you can imagine that after sort of four or five days, you're going to be feeling pretty bad. So why, why, is it, why have I brought this up? Other than seeing this guy and hearing these other people talk about you're not committed, you're not hustling, you're not, you're not really working hard unless you get up at 4.30 or 3.30. And like, it's a fairly arbitrary thing for them to say, really, isn't it? I mean, why would getting up at 4.30 mean you're working harder than someone who gets up at 6.30 or 7.30 or 8.30? Anyway, so the past week... This past week, I had uh, you know, one of those little attacks of inadequacy and futility. Uh, I'm pretty sure that many of you had the same feeling come on from time to time. It's the feeling that the progress you're making is too little, it's too late, it's too slow, and it will never amount to be equal to your dreams. Okay, that book you're writing, the business you're growing, or, or the relationship you're building is progressing too slow, and you're not capable of making it go fast enough to reach the goal that you imagine it needs to reach. Or you've been battered by setback after setback, and things just aren't happening and may never happen. Uh, and this is a couple of things in my life. I've been trying to build a house now for 10 or 12 years, and it's just, you know... Thing, one thing after another coming up and changing and I don't regret those things because uh, some of those things were my children uh, so I'm obviously having kids tends to change your priorities at the time you have them but I, you know, I got the quote back from the builder for example and it was very high and uh, it really uh, it, it really sort of crushed me a little bit and it's just, I was looking at it going we well, technically we could afford the loan but the bank would never give it to us. Uh, and also, though we could afford the loan in a technical sense, we may not want to 
afford that much. It, it sort of would be pushing our boundaries a little bit. So anyway, uh, I then was looking at my books and trying to get my book paperback published has just been one complication after another. And it's a learning process, of course, being the first book I've had to publish. It takes takes time to learn these things. But what did I do to overcome this this feeling of futility and inadequacy? Some people might call it imposter syndrome. And I, I did it with a an intentional process because this is what I have developed over time. So the number one thing I did was I closed my eyes and I was sitting on the train when I did this, staring at my book going, oh my God. I closed my eyes and I practiced my mindful meditation to center my thoughts and really pay attention to what was going on in my body. Something you may or may not know is that the difference between one emotion and another is often contextual. So if you have an upset stomach, but you have no thought or emotional context around that, you'll think that maybe you ate something bad. But if you have an upset stomach, the exact same feeling, and you've got a big presentation or a job interview or a gig or something on that night it's you'll be thinking it's your nerves and it it probably is but it's the same sore stomach it's the same upset tummy whether it is food poisoning or some emotional response so i paid attention to my body where was i feeling stressed what sensations were in my head and then armed with that i explored the source of my troubling thoughts and imagined my way down to the worst possible outcome and this is a process I learned from reading and, and practicing, what's his name? Oh, I can't remember. I can't, I'm going to look that up and, and get you onto that. It's a, he teaches mindfulness anyway. So the, I went down to the worst possible outcome. What, what could possibly be the worst thing? And that, that is that all my fears would be true. And what did that make me feel and think? You know, what I came to realize is that the symptoms I was feeling in my body were the same feelings I get when I haven't been sleeping enough. So I felt a slight tightness in my chest, this tension in the base of my skull, and sort of an emotional wooziness where I sort of had that feeling in my lungs as if I had been crying, which is is a strange sensation to feel. But if you remember when you were a kid or because let's face it, I haven't actually cried in this fashion since I was a kid, that, um, you know, you've you're totally uh, worn out all of your crying effort and you have that sort of strange feeling in your stomach and you feel um, uh, emotionally woozy, <laughs> I you say. So all those things I was feeling were the same as when I haven't slept. So I thought back to the past few nights and had a look at what was going on and I realized that I hadn't been getting to bed on time I've been staying up late, been pushing myself to like 11 o'clock, trying to work on books and and, uh, shops and and all sorts of things. So I've been ignoring my own own advice, my own goals to go to bed at 10 o'clock. And there'd been a lot of smoke in the air due to burn off. Here in uh, Australia, and I imagine probably in places like California, there's, as soon as there's sort of cool, calm weather, the council and the local governments whatever they like to burn all the available fuel in forests to make sure they don't we don't have devastating forest fires in summer and because of that 
heavy smoke, my asthma was playing up and I wasn't getting good sleep. So imagine what it would feel like if I had full sleep and was fully rested. I thought through that scenario uh, and thought about how my fears were unfounded and that I had plenty of time to reach my goals. How would that make me feel? And in fact, I had to remind myself this is why I'm on a 10-year mission. This is year one of a 10-year mission. I'm not, I'm not going to get everything done in this year. I might not get everything done until year 11. But the point is, I've set myself a goal that is a mission that's 10 years long. And I remind myself that no one got overnight success. Netflix is huge now. It started in the 90s, 97 or something. Like 20 a bit over 20 years ago or so. And it was started off by mailing DVDs around the place. And it was kind of laughed at a bit. It was a bit of a bit of a side project that people didn't expect to work. And then now it's really huge and people think, oh, wow, Netflix just suddenly erupted out of nowhere and, and became successful. Yeah, it only took, it was, it was 20 years to an overnight success. And it's going to be the case for just about everyone. Every now and then you do hear some freak who wins the lottery uh, in life, basically, and in three years becomes hugely successful. But the reality is that the people that you look at look at and see out there who are really successful, they spent years and years and years working at it. I still had that vague feeling of unease and anxiety. You know, I can't alter my body chemistry that much. I imagine there are probably some Buddhist monks who can. I don't know. But I was able to drop the worrying thoughts and instead I was able to I was able to drop the worrying thoughts and instead imagine being able to tell people about this feeling I had during the interviews I'd give as a success. So in ten years' time when people are saying, Sorry, you know, tell us how you got to be so successful so quickly, then I'll be able to say, Well, you know what what success I do gain, it took me well, I, let's say 10 years, but it could be 20 years. And so I've got this new new sense of focus and determination. I, I opened my eyes, let a nice deep breath. I could still feel my body was feeling worn down. But I now realize that, that was, it was largely just my lack of sleep that was caused me to have these problems. And I got on with my, my day. And that's why I always aim to get enough sleep, but not too much. Uh, I don't always succeed at getting enough sleep. But you know, life is a journey. It's not a destination. You don't reach a point and go, well, there you go. I'm finally living. I suppose there will be some point where I'll go, well, I've finished my life. But hopefully that is many 10-year missions down the road. So next week's goals. I'm going to type this out while I talk. Next week's goals. Run five kilometers. Hey, easy. Ooh, I've got to produce binge episode one for exit plan season two so between season one and two i took all the season one episodes and crammed them down into three one and a half hour long episodes so that people who wanted to binge rather than listen to lots of separate episodes could do so and i'm going to do the same thing for season two so complete my shop that's that needs definition because otherwise it will never happen my shop at the moment i've got three four products okay my home page home page needs to have uh, links to each category of I need at least one product in each category I'm going to display uh, and uh, you need to be able to get you know browse the shop so I need a uh, browse browsable shop page 
again, I'm not going to be turning on the credit card facilities just yet because uh, not that I'm afraid anyone is going to come along and accidentally pay me lots of money, but rather I want to be able to test it and I'll probably ask some other people to come in and give it a bit of a test using some test credit card data so they're not actually making real purchases and um, make sure it all works. Which means I'm guessing my June goals will include launching my shop. So oh, also I need to, another goal here is record Judgment Day song for dancing. Okay, so that's that's not going to be the final version because the final version is going to take at least one bit of input back from the singer. And but then I imagine it's probably also going to require a bit of input back from the producer, those fabulous guys at Hail and Well Met Podcast. I think it's probably Taron. Uh, he actually appeared on Exit Plan. He was one of the people being interviewed for a job at, at Exit Plan. So he'll be he'll be doing the mixing. So there'll, there'll have to be a bit of to and froing there to make sure we get things worked out. Okay, and that is next week's goals. That is all about sleep. I hope you have a really good week and I hope that you get enough sleep and feel fantastic. See ya.